fumes at the mutant radius. Yahoo! Top three cooking tips. One, if you're cutting an onion, remember to cry. Two, put mustard on your marshmallows after they've finished boiling in vinegar at a low temperature. Three, knives are not spoons. Wheel Circus is in town, it's time for a train ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze quad to elephant, see? I'll go on the train with the circus promise. It's intense. When you hear the trippy music, and it's two o'clock on a Wednesday, you know it's time for Some Call Me Tim! Finally did it. Here we are on Some Call Me Tim today. It's Pam Benjamin, your host, hanging out here at Mutiny Radio. I was supposed to have it in my phone, in my phone schedule that tells me everything about my life. I was supposed to have a guest named Franz. I have no idea who Franz is. <laughs> I have no idea. So needless to say, I don't think Franz is coming because I don't know who he is. I don't remember. Pam, come on. Should have taken better notes. Ooh, there's a triangle in here. Someone left us a triangle. I am the youngest, oldest child prodigy in the triangle. Hey, everybody. It's time for some Call Me Tim, where uh, traditionally I talk with a person every week about what they believe in and that kind of stuff. I'm gonna today do some weird things because I'm alone. So we're gonna listen to some Eddie Murphy records and we're actually going to start with the amazing song that I had the opportunity to write today with Latoya the Sheriff of Truth. We have a new band, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff, where every week we create a one-take song based off of someone's quotes from the political administration that we're a part of right now and today we had some shots fired against Ivanka because she wrote a book that came out on Monday called Women Who Work so let's listen to this song uh, that we just recorded this is Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff with Women Who Work on mutinyradio.fm hey it's Dirty, hot, dirty pee and the sheriff coming at ya. Yeah. Coming at ya. Ivanka. Some magic. From Ivanka Trump. Women who work, women who work. She doesn't work, she doesn't work. Women who work. Passion is what makes us feel most alive. Women who work. Her book, cause it's full of plagiarism. The Trump card, her first book. Nothing in that either. Women who work, women who work. She has some work advice. No matter what your age, your background, your education, or your success, we all are granted 168 hours a week. Hours a week. That's math. 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 That's is that 
got a 24-hour daytime seven which equals 168 hours a week when do you sleep i got a nanny when do you sleep she's got a nanny and a child oh how do you build a world-class team first you have to find the right people thank you captain obvious obvious captain obvious to fuck up a lot advice don't Gossip about women who were Trump card Get the Trump card Don't buy her first burke either Because she already has too much money Too much money Don't buy the book to burn it Go to the library and burn it from there Burn it all down We often don't realize That while we're waiting for our lives to be they have already and they're made up of all the decisions we make big and small conscious or not conscious thank you captain obvious women who work I could make enough as her nanny She probably pays $38 an hour to a service That's a lot of money Maybe, maybe she doesn't pay a service And it's just another Slovenian girl Hanging out in her house Women who work Women who work Nannies work Women who work Women who work Success is a team sport Success is a team sport novel either it's probably a ghost writer or it was me in a room with a tape recorder talking about myself how cool my life is my nice husband my dad he's really nice and my nanny some of my best photos of the kids were taken by my nanny during the day and I'm sure in 10 years I'll convince myself I took them because I I take everyone else's work and make it my own did it again. Far too kind. Before I even get started, before I even get started, I want to um, say, how about a big round of applause for the bus boys? And get some rules. I got some rules when I throw down. When I do my stand-up, I got rules and shit. Right. Straight up. Um, Old people that get offended easily, y'all should just get the fuck out now. Please. 
because I do some nasty shit while I'm up here. And if you brought your kids down and thought I'd be up here with the buckwheat wig on, you in a small motherfucking surprise. Because I don't do none of that Saturday Night Live shit in concert. If you want to see that shit, watch it at home for free. If you paid to see it, you a stupid motherfucker. Also, faggots aren't allowed to look at my ass while I'm on stage. That's, that's why I keep moving while I'm up here. If you don't know where the faggot section is, you got to keep moving. So if they do see it, it's quick and you switch it. They don't get no long stare at your shit. Start having imagination flowing on my, about my... I know what you're looking at, too, because my ass get hot. I'm afraid of gay people. Petrified. I have nightmares about gay people. I have this nightmare that I go to Hollywood and find out that Mr. T is a faggot. Really, and he'd be walking up to people going, Hey, boy. Hey, boy. You look mighty cute in them jeans. Now come on over here and fuck me up the ass. Come on. I'm gonna bend over now. Hey, boy, slow down. You're gonna mess around and come too fast. Made me get mad, I'll clench up my butt cheeks and rip your dick off. <laughs> you know, you know, you know who'd be a funny faggot? Ralph Cramden and Ed Norton. Wouldn't they be funny faggots? If Ralph Cramden leaned out the window they, one day and said, Norton! Norton, pal, come on down, I wanna show you something. Hey, that Alfie boy, what do you say to that pal of mine? You know, Norton, I've been watching you. And I know you've been watching me, Norton. You watch me. I know. So, uh, Ralph, where are you getting at? Norton, my friend, how would you like to fuck me up the ass? I know you want to fuck me, Norton. And you know that I know that you know that I know that you want to fuck me. Now, I'm going to bend over. And when I do, start fucking. Here I go. Hamana, 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 hamana. Way to go there, Ralphie boy. I kid the homosexuals a lot because they're homosexuals. I, I fuck with everybody. I don't give a fuck. It's like, um, I don't mean anything by it. You can hang out with a gay person. You can, guys, don't feel, you know, like, alienate gay people because they're gay, because you can play tennis with a gay person. Really, just after the game, you say, I'm gonna get a beer, what you gonna do? Think I'll go suck some nice dick. Well, I'll see you later. You take it easy. You gonna suck that dick, I'm gonna have the beer. Ladies are hip to it, too. Ladies be hanging out with gay people. Ladies be saying, gay men are the best friends to have. Because they don't want anything from you, you don't want anything from them. You can just hang out, you can be with them, it's fun, you can talk to them, and all that bullshit, and they be hanging out with them. You know what's real scary about that? That new age shit. 
AIDS is scary because it kills motherfuckers, AIDS. That ain't like the good old days when venereal disease was simple. In the good old days, you get gonorrhea, your dick hurt, go get a shot, cleared right up. Then they came out with herpes, you keep that shit forever like luggage. <laughs> and now they got AIDS, that just kills motherfuckers. I say, what's next? I guess you just put your dick in and explode. girl be on the bed going, maybe I should see a doctor about it. <laughs> Kills people. It petrifies me because girls be hanging out with them. And one night they can be in the club having fun with their gay friend and give them a little kiss and go home with their AIDS on their lips. <laughs> Get home with their husband and like five years later, Mr. Johnson, you have AIDS. He goes, AIDS? But I'm not a homosexual. Sure, you're not a homosexual. <laughs> All them diseases scare me, cause I'm like, these, these the fuck years for me. Like, I, this, I'm 20, I'm in my sexual prime. This, I fuck now. You know? These are the years to fuck. I want you to take your time tonight, please. And I want you with joy and blessing from the Lord. I want you to just turn around and hug some necks and Shake some hands and give the neighbor beside you or in front of you the biggest smile that you can find. All over this building, let's have a little fellowship meeting together, please. It's glory, glory. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Since I've laid. Since I've laid. My burdens down. My burdens down. Glory, glory.
There was a little house on a little hill out in the country. She was happy. She liked the peace and quiet, the warm sun on her roof, the soft summer breeze. Some people came to live in the little house. After a while, there were other additions and a few panes which had to be mended. At night, the little house sometimes felt lonely and wondered what it would be like to have other houses to talk to. She looked at the lights of the city, unaware that they were coming closer and closer. A city is a living thing that keeps on growing. Before long, the little house had neighbours on either side of her, the Uppingtons and the Downingtons. They really didn't seem friendly, but at night there were parties and music and dancing. Why, I'm right in the midst of the social world, thought the little house. One night, flames started coming out of a window of the Uppington house. She began to call for help. The alarm! Sound the alarm! said the Downington house as she caught fire too. Soon firemen were shooting streams of water on both houses, but it was all in vain. By morning, both elegant homes had burned to the ground and the little house was left alone again. They weren't very nice. Still, what a pity, she said. The years went faster now. Progress and noise had caught up with the city. There were tall buildings on either side of the little house and clotheslines and garbage cans grew so noisy and dirty that the people living in the little house decided to move. If only I could go with them, she said. Wrecking crews came and tore down the buildings on either side of the little house. Just as she was enjoying the peace and quiet, the ground began to shake. A huge steam shovel was taking bites out of the ground on both sides of a little house. She was very frightened and shut her eyes so she wouldn't have to look down into the deep pits on either side of her. Steel girders came next, then great tall skyscrapers grow up beside the little house. She was lost in a dark canyon between them. Would she ever see the sun again? Horns honked, traffic lights flashed, and neon signs glared into her eyes. It began to rain. Then a wrecking crew came. The little house shut her eyes. Let them get it over with. The sooner the better. For a house, she had had a full life. She felt herself being pried off her foundations. It would not be long now. With her eyes still shut, she did not realize that she was not being torn down. She was being moved, and right through traffic at that, with all the trucks, streetcars and automobiles stopped to give her room to get by, the little house opened her eyes, blinking in the bright sunlight around her. It wasn't the end after all. It was another beginning. It took time and a lot of fixing up before the little house felt like herself again. After that, some people came to live there, People who wanted a little house on a hill way out in the country.
October 8th. I noticed the leaves today. I have been sick and losing touch, but there they surely were, falling from crowded trees, playing at survival, trying to make my brain as thick as their gatherings, their wrinkled ends, their may, lying like truthful books the winners burn, told in a language I will never learn. My brother has been dead a year today. I think of all the poems that use the fall to euphemize a death, but Jimmy died this blazing time of year, and all the kinds of metaphor won't reach the boy I call and mourn and hunger for, the boy who tried too well. They are just leaves, life teachers, art reminds. And this poem is named, for instance, and as in many of my poems, the first line is part of the poem. For instance, in the treehouse, Lars brought me papayas, his eyes wet from laughing and from stealing, his back cut somewhere. We ate juice on our noses, and Lars said, sunburn never hurts as long as you stay naked, but if you put on clothes, once they're on, then there is no hope. There is never any hope, I said. Lars drank the lukewarm water he had taught me to prefer and smiled with his crowded teeth, his crowded everything, and said, there is hope for papayas. He lay back and spit in the air, and it landed on his forehead, and he didn't mind. You can always tell if you're a good man, he said. Just smell your hands. Twenty years of smelling my hands when no one's looking, and now a letter. His sons are dead, and he holds his wife's bad hand in Bolivia and nurses the wind. And I stand in the Safeway parking lot, crying into canned papayas, thinking he should not have that. He cannot take that. He cannot live with that. And I remember how my sunburn hurts under my clothes, and I know I must stay naked and vulnerable. Do you feel that you've had the break? What would you say were you 
big mistakes Do you think that you may retire? If you think you would get much higher How do you view your coming trial? Have your men proved at all worthwhile? Come with us to die fast You just love the high priest house You just love sneak The serious charges facing you You say you're the son of God In all your handouts Well, is it true? That's what you say You say that I am There you have it, gentlemen What more evidence do we need? Judas, thank you for the victim Still, what are you simply? We're delighted to welcome the former movie star and newly elected governor of California to our microphones. <laughs> to begin with, sir, will your administration take cognizance of the alarmingly rapid growth of free love on the campuses at Berkeley and elsewhere? That tradition in California would be preserved under us. <laughs> Is there any reason why you didn't attend the meeting of newly elected Republican governors held in Chicago last week? I can't think of anything that would have prompted me to go. Incidentally, apropos of the meetings, I understand there's a new disconvention in your state this week. That's the meeting that I expect to attend. <laughs> you are considered to be a very open-minded man, Governor, who doesn't hold grudges. I sure am. Incidentally, incidentally, sir, where would you like to see those who opposed your election as Governor? Put into cement. <laughs> One thing we're curious about, Governor, could you tell us who was your political mentor? The Kaiser. <laughs> well, now that you are Governor, what do you really intend doing for the people of California? I have no intention of lifting a finger doing anything. Is there any specific reason why you are closing down all the houses of prostitution in California? to see if we could not switch to the voluntary system. As, as, uh, as governor, you are interested in the critical social problems of your state. What have you found to be the best way to get prostitutes off the street? Bring them home. 
Governor, you've been very cooperative. May we just ask you one more quick question or two? No, go away. <laughs> well, thank you and good night. You are listening to Some Call Me Tim here on Mutiny Radio. My guest did not show up today, so I am playing with uh, with the stacks, playing with the ones and twos, playing records, cool old records for you. So keep tuned to Some Call Me Tim. Uh, you bear a famous name. Do you in your own mind think that there has been anything greater or more famous than the Kennedys to come out of Boston? Yes. Oh, what is that? Beans. <laughs> In the years to come, what would you like to do? Take over. <laughs> would you therefore predict that you are going to be president of the United States? One way or another. <laughs> it is said, sir, that uh, many of your followers actually believe that you are God. Do you like me to explain why? <laughs> Senator, I understand that on your way here tonight, you lost your wallet, and there was $50,000 in it. And we're certainly, we're, we're very sorry about that. It's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> your association with the president has been a stormy one, but we'd like to ask you some questions about LBJ. Where do you think Johnson's place in history is? In the past. <laughs> On the surface, LBJ and Lady Bird seem to be the most happily married couple. Would you know of anything that they resent about each other? Just living together. <laughs> Sir, you've eaten at the White House many times and enjoyed it, I'm sure. Who cooks the food there? 40,000 Chinese. <laughs> There are those of us close to the scene who feel your feud with LBJ is over-exaggerated. What did you tell LBJ when you met him on the street the other day? Disappear. <laughs> Presidents have always had famous slogans as signs on their desks. President Roosevelt's was, In God We Trust. President Eisenhower had a sign which read, Peace on Earth. What does the sign on LBJ's desk say? To hell with everyone. <laughs> uh, you're quite a critic of LBJ's foreign policy. Can the president be impeached for not ending the Vietnamese war? No, it has to be on mental grounds, obviously. <laughs> Also, sir, staying on the subject of the Johnsons, what did you tell Lady Bird when she asked you if you would dance with her at the White House Ball? Split. <laughs> Senator, you have a house full of marvelous children. What would you say was your main expense in bringing them up? We spent uh, $110 million, I think, on comic books last year. <laughs> You are a very attractive man, and you are also very faithful to your wife, Ethel. 
There's no question about that. Well, well, what do you tell all the other women who constantly call you? Suffer.
my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. listening to Some Call Me Tim on Mutiny Radio, where today we're spinning vinyl. Because my guest, Franz, don't know who that is. So keep listening to Mutiny Radio. Just playing some weird, cool, old things out of our stacks. Right now you're listening to Love Story. That's the theme from Love Story. Love Story. 
painting. They got a little bit more, a little bit more summer and shit. Go to cook, don't go to cookouts. I hate cookouts, man. Stay away from cookouts and shit. If you like me, you stay the fuck away from cookouts. I don't like my family come by the house. The relatives I ain't seen like since the last cookout. You got certain relatives you just see at the cookout. And they get on your fucking nerves every year. My Uncle Gus come by the house every year. My Uncle Gus is the uncle that like to work the grill and don't let nobody touch the grill when he's around and shit. As soon as he walk in the house, he's like, get away from that grill, you don't know how to start no fire. You don't know how to start no fire, put this fire, this ain't no fire, goddamn it. Eddie, Eddie, go over there and give me all that wood, I need half a tree. Chop that tree down over there. Chop down that tree and give me the wood from that tree over there. Chop it, go give me two gallons of gasoline out of the shed. You two gallons of gasoline, you kids roll up your shirt, put that on the grill, we gonna start a fire. Come on, you wanna eat? You wanna eat? Just, just shut up then, put that on the fire. Okay, put that wood inside there. Okay, give me the gasoline, Charlie. Hold the match, well, I tell you, Charlie, throw the match on the gasoline, all right? Well, I tell you, all right, we gonna make a fire, we gonna eat it, right? Y'all wanna eat? We gonna eat now. Here we go, pour the gasoline over here like this. We need the whole, get that goddamn light of food out there, that you get you. We gonna put all two gallons of gasoline on this wood and make a fire. We gonna eat a hamburger, okay? Here we go, chat, go to Matt. Now that's a fire! That's a fire, look at that! Look at that! He be all right, roll Charlie around. Roll him around a bit. Roll him around. My Uncle Gus is married to my Aunt Bunny. My Aunt Bunny got a mustache and shit. You know one of them lady mustaches? It was real cool back when she was 20. She had, you know, ladies had them little thin ones and shit. Then when they get about 45, like Aunt Bunny, they be having the Billy D. Williams look. Shit be thicker than a man's and shit. Now, Aunt Bunny weighed like 300 pounds, like 250, real heavy lady and shit. And the kids were scared of her. You, just, you got that kid logic going. I remember Aunt Bunny come by the house and shit. It was like, I was petrified because she always wanted to kiss me or touch me and some shit. As soon as she walked in the door, it's like, come give your Aunt Bunny a kiss, baby. And you go, Don't get the fuck to go. She got a mustache. Why do kids move so slow when they be crying? Stop making all that noise. I said, shut up. <laughs> Hit you be standing there wishing hateful shit on your mother and do that be in the bedroom going, <laughs> God, please kill her. <laughs> I hope she get hit by a truck and die. Shut up, I'm coming to give something to cry about. <laughs> then my pops just start talking. And my pops be fucked up every 4th of July, man, every cookout. Black men like to claim the house when they drunk. Men, period, I think, man, like to just claim their house. They want you to know if you drunk and if they drunk and you in their house, that it's their house. My father stand up in the middle of the cookout saying, It's my house. You know what it is? And if you don't like it, you get the fuck out. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I pay the motherfucking bills in this motherfucker. And hey. Kiss my ass if
Hello, my name is Daryl Sandine, and I'm going to read you a story about a little boy and a little bear. Well, he was a little bear when the boy first met him, but he rapidly grew into the biggest bear around. As a matter of fact, the story is called The Biggest Bear. It was written by Lind Ward. And now let's begin. Johnny Orchard lived on the farm farthest up the valley and closest to the woods. On the hill behind the barn, Johnny's grandfather had planted a few apple trees. These were the only apple trees in the valley, and they were known as Orchard's Orchard. Whenever Johnny went down the road to the store for a piece of maple sugar or something, he always felt humiliated. The other barns in the valley usually had a bearskin nailed up to dry, but never Johnny's barn. Every fall for three years, Mr. McLean had come in with a bear. And one evening, Mr. Pennell had just stepped out to the edge of his nearest field and shot three in a row as they came heading for the tall timber. It is true that Johnny's grandfather had met a bear once when he was on the way back from picking apples, but he had gone in one direction while the bear had gone in another. When Johnny had asked him why, his grandfather had said, better a bear in the orchard than an orchard in the bear. It was very humiliating. Johnny said, if I ever see a bear, I'll shoot him so fast he won't know what hit him. And we'll have the biggest bear skin in the whole valley. After he had gone quite a way into the woods, he came to a place where there was a big stump Something seemed to be moving in the bushes behind it. It was a bear, all right. He seemed hungry, so Johnny gave him a piece of maple sugar. On the way home, the bear ate all the maple sugar Johnny had in his pocket. Johnny's mother and father were a little surprised to see that Johnny had really brought a bear back with him. Johnny's grandfather said, Hmm, I suppose you know what a bear likes to eat. The bear liked the milk that was meant for the calves. He liked the mash meant for the chickens. He liked the apples in the orchard.
He liked pancakes on Sunday morning. And most especially, he liked the maple sugar Johnny brought him from the store. There was hardly anything he didn't like. And Johnny's mother got pretty upset when he started looking for things on the kitchen shelves. In the fall, Mr. McCarroll got pretty upset when the bears spent a night in his cornfield. In the winter, the bear had a wonderful time with the bacons and hams in the Pennell's smokehouse. It was bad enough that he emptied all the sap buckets when the McLeans were tapping their maple trees in the spring. But it was worse later when he got in the McLean's shed and drank up most of their maple syrup. He was always eating, it seemed, and he grew pretty fast and got pretty big. Finally, Mr. McLean started talking to Mr. Pinnell. They both went to see Mr. McCarroll. Then they all came to see Johnny and his father. What they had to say about Johnny's bear was plenty. He was a trial and a tribulation to the whole valley. After the men had left, Johnny's father explained to Johnny that the bear would have to go back to the woods. So the next morning, Johnny and the bear started out. They walked for miles due west on an old lumber road, way past Baldwin's Hill, to an old clearing that was overgrown with raspberries. Johnny explained to the bear that the time had come for him to go and live in the woods like other bears. He gave the bear a last hug and started the long walk home. While he was doing the chores next morning, Johnny saw that the bear hadn't stayed in the woods very long. So Johnny started out again, due east this time, to the Blueberry Bluff, way past Watson's Hill. And when Johnny left him, the bear was eating blueberries very happily. But two days later, he was back again. This time, Johnny took him due south and got a boat and rode two miles out in the lake and left him on Gull's Island, which is a pretty big island. But the next morning, there he was, not even very wet. Johnny and his father talked it over, and they decided there was only one thing to do. Johnny said he would do it. They didn't really have to go very far, but Johnny somehow kept on walking.
I went north this time. There were no roads here, and it was a part of the woods where Johnny had never been before. At last they stopped. Johnny seemed to have a hard time getting a bullet in the gun. While he was working with it, the bear seemed to get a whiff of something. Without warning, he took off through the woods. Johnny went with him. They went through the woods so fast that Johnny lost his gun, but he held on to the rope. They seemed to be heading for a sort of little log house. They went through the doorway pretty fast, and something came down with a bang, and they were prisoners. When Johnny looked around, he saw the bear was happily chewing on a big lump of maple sugar that had been put in the trap for bait. Pretty soon, some men came. They were a little surprised to see Johnny in there. They explained to Johnny that they were getting animals for the zoo in the city. They were delighted with Johnny's bear. He was much bigger than they had ever hoped for. He will have a fine place to live and all he wants to eat, the men told Johnny. And you can come and see him whenever you want to. And I'll always bring him maple sugar, said Johnny. Ik ben 
tonight There's a man in the shadows with a gun in his eye And a blade shining no so bright There's evil in the hand, there's thunder in the sky And a killer's on the bloodshot streets Pouring down in the tunnel with a deadly horizon Oh, I swear I saw a young boy down in the gutter He was stopping the foam in the heat
sinner before the gates of heaven I'll come crawling on back to
But the music call the sound and make the crowd gather round. But the music call this and make you jump and twist. But the jump and twist from the flick of my wrist. A lot of girls now get no sex tonight. A lot of girls going up to for some fight. Become on this ration in a dissertation. Come make we rock this aversion. We find the four generation. Sex tonight, not true. A lot of 
These are the sounds of the great Harpo marks. Although Harpo never spoke a word in the movies, the audience always knew what he was thinking. Did you see a handkerchief? I thought I dropped one, but it really doesn't matter because what I'm really interested in is you. Did anyone ever tell you that you looked like the Prince of Wales? That's funny. I thought it was an original idea of mine. Tell me, do you know who I am? Do you know my room number? Well, I'll be there at 11 o'clock tonight. Although he didn't use the spoken word, he did use sound and could express every emotion with it. Love. Hate. Anger. Chagrin. Even contempt. Here's the classic scene where the kindly policeman advises him to stay away from the wrong kind of people. And as he pumps Harpo's hand, silverware keeps falling from his other sleeve. You better come with me, young fellow. Don't take him away, officer. All right. I let him go this time. But I want to give you some advice. You're running around with the wrong kind of people. Now, why don't you go home? He's got no home. Go home for a few nights and stay home. Don't you know your poor old mother sits there? Sits there night after, night after night, waiting to hear your steps on the stairs. And God knows stairs. And I can see a little light burning in the, burning in the window. No, you can't. The gas company turned it off. Now, what I'm telling you is for your own. And if you listen to me, you can't go wrong. This may go on for years. Now there's just one I can't understand what's delaying that coffee pot. But of all the sounds of Harpo, there was one for which he was most famous.
Well, that has been the AltaCast. Or I mean, the Some Call Me Tim. Sorry about that. That was Some Call Me Tim for today. Thank you for joining me as I brought you a bunch of music from our stacks. That was a lot of fun. Uh, next week, I'm not sure who our um, interviewer is. I'm going to get on that. Thank you guys for join- listening and joining me today on Mutiny Radio. And coming up at 5 o'clock, it's the Boys and Girls Kids Club. So uh, junior high people making radio just for you. Thanks again for listening. This has been Some Call Me Tim. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. We'll be back next week. Uh, Join us for comedy on Friday night, 6 to 10. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> This is Tuchel Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. 
Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com The Night Space brings you High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring High Time Storytime every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Storytime Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. Sunday, June 11th at Cobb's Comedy Club, 7.30 p.m. Tickets are $16 for the All-State Heavyweight Comedy Showdown! Hosted by Terry Dorsey, featuring some of the best comedians all over... California from San Francisco, Pam Benjamin from Saratoga, Joey Avery, and all the way out of San Diego, Mike DeVore. Other comedians as well for only $16 at Cobb's Comedy Club, 915 Columbus Avenue. Go get your tickets for June 11th now. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kit Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event. Now trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground 
Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 